It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Friday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. Hoping everybody is in good form on this uh, Friday morning and let's hope we get more sunshine than more of that patchy drizzle that is forecast for a little bit later on. But hopefully there will be some nice sunny weather and we'll be able to get out and get a bit of a fresh air. Uh, John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls this morning at 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us? I can already see calls and comments coming in about the leader of the Green Party Party, uh, Eamon Ryan, uh, who was caught having 40 winks yesterday, just when he was due to cast his vote in the doll. He was having what some people are describing on social media as a power nap. And it took the Fianna Fáil's new chief whip, Jack Chambers, to call his name to actually get him to uh, wake up. And I suppose the irony for a lot of people was the fact that he was being asked to vote on a work rights bill. It was to amend legislation for lower paid uh, workers and when he was called to vote, his name was called out, there was no answer. Everybody turned around to see what was happening and why Eamon was in, wasn't voting Thaw or Neil. And by the way, he was voting against the rights for lower paid uh, workers. And of course, when all eyes turned to Eamon Ryan, they re- realised he had nodded off uh, to uh, sleep. There was laughter around the Dáil Chamber and of course the Dáil Chamber they're now holding the Dáil sittings in the convention centre because of uh, social distancing so it was Jack Chambers who had to repeatedly call his name because he was sitting closest to him a few seats uh, ahead of him and it took 11 seconds before Eamon Ryan woke up and then cast his vote and voted against uh, the bill. Now obviously social media lit up uh, with uh, with Eamon Ryan falling asleep and he, he seemingly he's not the only person to have fallen asleep because I've seen pictures during the rounds and I saw somebody WhatsApped it into me as well of Matty McGrath from the Independent TD from Tipperary he also was having uh, 40 winks and there was some sympathy certainly amongst government colleagues uh, last night one TD is quoted in the paper saying in fairness to Eamon a lot of us feel like we're about to fall asleep standing up these days the way it's been since the election was uh, 
uh, called the Green Party themselves have uh, didn't reply to a request for any comment from a lot of the media uh, yesterday so I don't know how Eamon Ryan is feeling uh, today uh, about it. Some of your thoughts in on uh, this uh, somebody taking me to task when I was sort of making light of it with Simon, when I was teeing up the programme before 10, somebody says, Patricia, doesn't Damon Ryan have a special needs son at home? Cut the man some slack. You have no idea what kind of stresses and pressure he's under at home. I honestly would have thought that you of all people would understand what he might be going through. And I absolutely, anyone who's uh, battling and coping with a special needs child at home, I know only too well the pressures and the strains we are under. Wasn't I only myself talking about it yesterday and the reason that I had hit a bit of burnout and was off work uh, for the last uh, week and a half so I know only too well the stresses and the strains but I unfortunately or unfortunately don't have the luxury of falling off to sleep while I'm doing my work and I can appreciate the man is probably under a lot of stresses and strains but I think what people are thinking you know this is a very important job this man and the rest of the men and women that we vote into Dáil Air and they're running our, our country you know if he's that exhausted should he actually be turning up for work at all should he be doing what I did for the last week and a half take a bit of time out if he really is feeling under that much stress and under that much pressure but thank you for your call and yes I do have sympathy for the man uh, when he is trying to battle with his day job and with the additional needs that are going on at uh, home Okay, some of your calls in on this Olive in Mitchestown says the hardest part for these politicians work day is getting out of bed they're a disgrace and to think the ordinary people of the country work so hard and this gang can fall asleep on the job Bill in Formoy says Eamon Ryan is a low TD in Dublin so he doesn't even have the additional strain of having to travel to and from work what about TDs that have to travel from very rural areas and they have long drives like Donegal our own West Cork TDs our, our Kerry uh, TDs Dermot in Kilmallock says I work for a company that requires me the odd week to stay in Dublin Patricia I can tell you on a Wednesday night you'll find a lot of those TDs out enjoying themselves on Dawson Street well maybe not now with all the bars uh, shut uh, so uh, Dermot and Kilmallock can understand why some or so many of them actually fall asleep in the uh, doll. Uh, 1850-333-103 your thoughts welcomed on that as I say a lot about that on uh, social media now we're also getting still getting a lot of calls and commentary in on the wearing of masks and later on in the programme today I'm going to be speaking with somebody who was on the Cork Dublin train yesterday evening coming back it was the 7 o'clock train out of Dublin coming back to Cork and we now know it is mandatory if you're travelling on public transport you must wear some kind of a face covering. And yesterday there seemed there was an incident on the train where there was one man who was refusing to wear a mask so the Gardaí were called and the Gardaí came onto the train on Thurless and we'll, we'll We'll hear from this gentleman from Cork who was on the train who witnessed uh, what happened uh, yesterday. And we now know that we're all been told that we must wear masks when we're going into shops. Now, yesterday afternoon, when I, I left work, I deliberately went into a supermarket putting my mask on just to see was there an increase in the number of people wearing masks since Micheál Martin announced on Wednesday evening that he's going to make it mandatory for when we're in any kind of retail, any kind of shops, any kind of shopping centres that we all must wear masks. So I wanted to see, would I notice an increase in the number of people wearing masks yesterday? And I have to say on the supermarket that I was in yesterday, there was definitely an increase on the number of people that I would have seen wearing masks 
previously, but there still wasn't 100% of people wearing masks. It was probably 50-50, but I also overheard a number of people having conversations about do we need to be wearing masks? Don't think it's law yet. No, I think they're only talking about it. I think he said, and I'm obviously assuming they were talking about Michal Martin, he says we should wear masks, but it's going to be law soon. So I don't think we need to wear them yet. So I do think there's still an amount of confusion out there about the wearing of uh, masks. And certainly yesterday, we had a lot of commentary in, including commentary in from people who were saying that they are finding themselves in a bit of a dilemma for health reasons. They feel they can't wear a mask with people saying they're asthmatic with somebody who contacted us who has COPD and must carry oxygen with them would not be able to wear masks and we're making the point people like that need to go to a doctor and get a letter to say so that if they turn up at a shop and they're asked why they're not wearing a mask, they're going to be able to prove uh, why they're not wearing a mask. Others then were taking those people to task and saying people are just looking for excuses not to wear masks. And if you are medically that vulnerable that you can't wear a mask, some people were saying, well, you should stay at home. You should get somebody else to do your shopping or have your shopping uh, delivered. Anyway, some more commentary on that. Why don't those people that can't wear a mask at least wear a face shield? These are on sale now in many places. I got mine in Acme Blinds in Fromoy, says Annette. And a lot of, I certainly, they're the, the face, the visors. I've seen a number of chemist shops are actually selling them as well. So they are wild, widely uh, available. Patricia, I will never wear a mask or a face covering as long as I live. I'm an oxygen full full time. How am I going to go shopping? Uh, I'm not going to be able to wear a face mask as this listener. Well, I'm assuming you're going to need to pop into your doctor and get a letter so that you don't get stopped going into shops. Because I did see on social media yesterday there was some shops that a lot of the shops now have security or have a member of a staff on the door just counting the number of people going in and out. And there, I heard yesterday there was a number of shops. I don't necessarily know if there was any here in Cork. Certainly there was a number of shops in Dublin who were refusing people access to the stores unless they were wearing a mask. Uh, and I know there's a lot of discussion going on about who is going to enforce the wearing of masks when you are out in a shop. Now, one suggestion that has been made by Tara Buckley, who is the Director General of the Retail Lobby Group, RG Data, and I know we're trying to get to see if we can get Tara to join us on the programme. She's saying that we should introduce an on-the-spot fine of €100 Euro if you refuse to wear a mask inside in a store. And concerns are growing about how the measure is going to be enforced and who's going to be responsible for ensuring that the law is is uh, obeyed. Tara Buckley said, we expect the vast majority of people will wear a mask when out shopping in line with the expert advice. And she says, if a person refuses to wear a mask and doesn't have any certified reason for not doing so, then she says, we think there should be a penalty. And she's suggesting that we go, that the government go along the lines of what they're doing in the UK and in the United Kingdom. It is mandatory. Is it is it in now or is it from next Monday that everyone must wear a mask in the United Kingdom? And 
if you refuse to wear a mask, then there is an on-the-spot fine of £100. So Tara Buckley is saying, do the same thing here and bring it in that you'd, you would have an, a €100 Euro fine if you refuse and you don't have a certifiable reason. Now, a certifiable reason would mean you would have to carry some kind of a letter from your doctor or your consultant saying there's a reason why you can't wear a face mask. However, though, Tara Buckley did, of RG Data, did stress that there will have to be enforcement by Gardaí or some other representative of the state. Because I think it would be very unfair to expect shop owners and shopkeepers and, you know, workers inside in shops to expect them to confront members of staff. Now, it seems the shops I was talking about in Dublin that did it, they had security men on the door who were insisting, if you don't have a mask, you're not allowed in. Now, I don't know how many shop workers would feel about doing that, actually confronting members of staff, uh, members of the public. And, you know, some members of the public then can take great umbrage to the fact that somebody is telling them you must wear a mask or you can't come into our, our shop. And there could be all kinds of abuse can start and people might get a bit violent. You just, you know, it's, you know, and our, our retail staff paid enough money to put them in that situation where they have to confront members of the public. So I think there needs to be a bit of work done around the enforcement. But I'd be interested in, would people agree with Tara Buckley of RG Data that a €100 euro fine is the way to go and that if people thought there was going to be a fine of €100 euro, that it might then make people say OK I'm going, to put, I'm going to put my face mask on I mean when I was talking about this yesterday I, I likened it to when the smoking man came in and I, we did countless interviews here on this programme where people said they will never be able to enforce the smoking ban you will never stop people going to the pub having a pint, sitting up at the bar and lighting a cigarette. You'll never be able to stop that. And almost overnight, people stopped. Literally, people stopped. And there wasn't Gardaí, you know, going from pub to pub, uh, enforcing it. The bar owners took the ashtrays down from the bar counters and from the tables and people went outside and went to the, the smoking areas. Will it be the same with the wearing of face coverings? We will wait and uh, see. Um, oh, here's a great text that came in yesterday from uh, Stanley. And my apologies, Stanley, that I didn't get around to your text yesterday. It says, hi there. I found an amazing mask and I wear it every time I go out. I'm normally quite shy and retiring, but this mask seems to give me huge powers of self-confidence. Even my dog is wearing it now and again. And it seems to be the same for him. When I wear it, I feel like I can take on the world. Kind regards, says Stanley. So there's somebody who's quite enjoying the idea of actually wearing a face mask and it's giving Stanley some kind of additional confidence. And then another listener says, are face shields slash visors considered to be a face covering? Are they not more suitable for many who find it difficult to wear a face mask? They cover the eyes, which which a face mask does not. They're easy to clean and a wearer is less likely to fidget with them than a mask and pull them up and down as so many do with face masks. Why are they never mentioned and why are their use not advocated much uh, more? Well, I think when they're talking about a face covering, that will include a face shield. So if you don't like the actual face mask and, you know, they keep saying it doesn't have to be a medical quality one. They're saying a face covering that you can make at home. You can use a scarf. You could use a bandana that you have down around your neck and then pull it up over your nose and your mouth. You can do that as well. And face 
face shields and visors. Yeah, they're the very same when they're talking about making face covering mandatory that will include you could use a visor instead. And certainly it will be a good idea for people who find the covering of their mouth a little bit claustrophobic. And then Kieran by uh, email to Patricia at C103.ie. It struck me while in a Mallow shop when I saw a lady with a face mask on. The face mask wasn't covering her nose. And then I saw another with her face mask actually worn upside down while another was on the phone while wearing latex gloves. People are doing it all wrong. What has really encouraged me though to write to you was when I witnessed an elderly lady who had her sleeves rolled up and she was using her forearm to push down on the hand sanitizer bottle to put some of the hand sanitizer hand sanitizer onto her hands. She clearly was aware that the top of the bottle is where everyone will press down and therefore is the part of the bottle most likely to be contaminated. But then I watched her. She proceeded to rub the sanitizer into her hands but not on the area of her arm that she'd used to touch the top of the bottle. So if there was any of the virus on the top of the bottle she now had it on the area of her arm that she used to push down on the bottle. So not everybody is getting it right, says uh, Kieran, emailing Patricia at c103.ie. And we also spoke about pubs yesterday and the fact that pubs are not going to reopen next Monday and a lot of lot in the papers today. Rural TDs bucked like mad yesterday, including our own Michael Collins, who actually we spoke with yesterday on the programme. A lot of what he said with us yesterday on the programme, he also reiterated uh, in the convention centre in Dáil Éireann uh, yesterday and all of the rural TDs very, very angry and that's picked up on a lot of the papers uh, today. And Jill WhatsApping me at 0862103103 says, on our rural pubs, our rural pubs can be the heart of the community. Bingo, playing cards, Irish musical performance, community events and not to mention supporting your local GAA along with all of the local charities that they help to promote and uh, also help to fund funeral parties, weddings, christenings, all kinds of different family occasions. Rural pubs are not only places where somebody goes to have a drink, they are the glue that keeps the community together, says uh, Jill. And that's a well put together uh, text. And you are right in small communities where all they have left is the little rural pub at a time when they used to have a lot more businesses where they might have had a post office, a guard the station, where the school might even be closed. And often what can be the last one standing is often either the little rural post office and the rural pub. And you take that pub out of the community and and the glue, it is the glue that holds the community uh, together. You are so right, Jill. And that's why it gravely saddened me yesterday to hear that we are, there are a number of small pubs when the news broke that they wouldn't be able to open next Monday. A lot of them feel, you know, if they've got to wait five months to reopen, there's going to be no tourist season this year for many of them with the last of the bank holidays will have been missed as well and for many of them they feel that this is it that they will never reopen again which is uh, which is really really sad and communities will suffer because of it 1850-333-103 Sadie and John Paul taking your calls Your thoughts on Eamon Ryan falling asleep Heidi says Morning Patricia Oh this guy Eamon of the Green Party We just look at the pictures in the doll it looks like the Mary Celeste Hardly anyone turns up they get paid for nothing 
really if we did that at work we'd be out the door so quickly especially in this current climate Eamon and the Green Party will just ride off the backs of the poor people of the country by rising prices already seeing that with carbon tax says Heidi who obviously is not a fan of the Green Party uh, for sure uh, also on Eamon Ryan Marie says hi Patricia I hope this message finds you well it does thank you very much I really, I'm really annoyed that Eamon Ryan fell asleep at work if anyone else did that surely they would lose their jobs he is also very anti-low paid workers and anti-rural Ireland keep up the good work thinking you says Marie well I just found that was the irony that the the piece of legislation he fell asleep during was to do with uh, low paid workers that's what I just thought was a bit ironic and John and Clan says should Eamon Ryan resign Barry Cowan had to resign over drink driving and Eamon Ryan should he resign over falling asleep the big one is coming which one of them will have to resign over not wearing a mask says John in Clannacity and actually I was reading on the paper yesterday that in Dáil Éireann they're all going to have to start wearing masks uh, as well unless they're talking or eating I think it's the two things that they will be allowed to take their masks off uh, for. 1850 Some more your texts coming in. Patricia, it's no wonder we cannot get rid of this virus when locally in our neighbourhood in West Cork we have workers. By the way, they're outdoor workers but they're not council workers. They're working with the local company outside and they run into our local shop without a care of wearing their mask and they're never heading in the arrow directions. They've actually ran directly into me on numerous occasions says uh, Bernie well they should be wearing masks and at the moment we're all told to wear masks when we're going into any kind of a shop and it is going to be the legislation is going to be passed when I don't know I might ask John Paul to see can we find out when are the, when will legislation actually come in which will make it mandatory for the wearing of masks when out in when going into supermarkets which, which is what Michael Martin or Taoiseach spoke about on Wednesday and a listener says I wore a mask yesterday for the first time in my local Aldi the heat says this listener I nearly passed out and I'm a fairly healthy person I couldn't wait to get out of the store to take it off I couldn't breathe in it but I kept it on but I kept riding up on my face across my eyes so I kept having to pull it down so I could see where I was going now I will continue wearing one though as I don't want to risk catching this nasty virus says this listener maybe you should try a different mask you can get other masks that fit more snugly and that it wouldn't be riding up along your face because that's what they tell us we shouldn't be doing they say that when you put on a face covering if you go actually if you go online there is YouTube tutorials on how to put on and take off a mask and it is important that we put it on correctly and that we take it off uh, correctly. If it's moving like that I would suggest you try a different style or type of mask uh, because and one maybe that you feel a lighter one that you may be able to breathe better uh, in but I agree with you they can feel very warm on your face it's the one thing I find as well that I can't wait when I finish in the shop to get out, to get out and, and take it off, they can be very warm. Um, and if you're in a, a supermarket that's hot, that's any kind of heat in it at all, uh, it's, yeah, it can be quite stifling. 1850 333 103. Lines are open. 
with Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, unfortunately, we are continuing to see a rise in the number of dogs stolen in this country, with some animal rights experts actually saying it is becoming an epidemic. Patricia Doyle from Wexford joins me to share the story of what happened to her much-loved Springer Spaniel Daisy, who was stolen along with her seven little pups. Uh, good morning to you, Patricia. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome to the programme. OK, I suppose, take me back. How did you discover that Daisy and the little pups were actually missing? Uh, Wednesday morning, the 8th of July, we went out. Uh, they were in a very secure, insulated dog house within a steel dog, you know, kennels with a roof. So they were sort of in a house within a house, if you may, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, Rachel went out, my daughter, to bring them out to play and what have you, and they were gone. The padlock, there was a padlock on it as well. That had been, uh, they had brought some sort of an implement tool and they had broke that. And of course, we were devastated. No, 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 just gone. Like that, we had never heard anything. We just cannot understand. We just, we were devastated. So of course. So it happened overnight. Obviously, while you you were all at home in bed. We were, yeah. And we never heard anything. I mean, these people must be experts because Rachel, my daughter, she she has her room in the back. She never heard anything and she said she hadn't slept well that night. Never heard anything. And what age were the pups? The pups were, when they were stolen, seven weeks. They're now eight weeks. About ready to be, to go to their homes, they? were, were they? going to their homes. There was four children waiting for them. They were to have them today. One is uh, my daughter's goddaughter and then my own daughter was to get one. My my We were keeping another one. So we were... <laughs> Probably would have kept them all, really, but no. but then uh, we won't, we couldn't. So my father-in-law got the other one, and then there was three local homes with children. So there's four children waiting for them dogs. I mean, these dogs had names. They and had, and oh, so you're not in the tradition. You're not a dog breeder. Oh no, no, no. we're just dog So lovers. you didn't always, you didn't advertise that no. you had pups for sale or anything. No, this is the thing. This is the strange thing. No advertisement. And as I said to people, our postman didn't even know we kept dogs because we have a massive garden. But it's really well, we have walls and a big fence and we have massive gates in the front and no one can see the dogs from the front. And we couldn't understand it either, but people have told us since that they use drones on people's gardens now. That's yeah, because, and, there, and there's no way a car driving past your house would, would be no. able to see no. that you no, had a litter of pups. No, no way in hell could the, no one. And yet you were targeted for those four days in the, nothing else was stolen. Nothing else was stolen, only the dogs, not, nothing. And we could see no sign of where they got, you know, we just don't know. And I have a lot of, I, we just don't know what happened to them. So you took to social media. You, oh, okay, you contacted the guards, obviously, straight oh, away. Obviously, straight yeah. away. Guards came up straight away. Did yeah, they get then, fingerprints or anything, or did they? No, they just took the lock away and they just looked around and they asked for CCCTV from the neighbours and that, and nothing has nothing showed nothing up. Has come. So you took you, you, you took to social media, and then you ended up getting a phone call from from Dublin, was it? Yeah, on the Friday, I went. I we went over. I just put a post on social media as did my do- children and my son, and it just literally went viral. Now, it was unbelievable. It obviously hit a raw note because, I, as I know now, it's rampant all over the country, dog theft. But we didn't, like, we are, you know, we just, we had no clue this was going to happen. And I got a call then from the local radio station, and then I got a call from the Joe Duffy show, and I did all those things really out of my comfort zone, but I'm <laughs> desperate to get the dogs back. I know, I know. And then we were just so devastated. And then Friday... 
the 10th, last Friday, we got a phone call from the DSPCA in Dublin. And they had found Daisy on the street. And they had they had dumped her on the street with an injury. And what they had done was they had got a knife to her neck and they removed the microchip. And then they dumped her on the street, 120 kilometres away to die. I mean, these people are savages. I mean, and who, and it, who spotted her on the street? Um, a little girl. Uh, we've been in contact. Uh, she re- wants to remain anonymous, obviously. And, you know, and another lady had spotted her and the, the other lady had a car. And we just cannot. We've been in contact. With, they know how grateful we are. We, we, you know, and they brought her to the out of the way and brought her to the DSPCA. But of course, the microchip was gone. Yeah. But they recognised her from Facebook, they said, I think that's the little dog that's missing from Wexford. Of course, you could tell she had had puppies, she was feeding puppies as well, you know. And they rang us and they emailed us a picture of her and of course it was Daisy. Now, we were, were, oh my God, we were so delighted. But no puppies. And still no puppies. Uh, So we weren't allowed to get her that, we wanted to go up immediately, they said no. That she needed veterinary treatment and they just told us about the injury and we, my God, uh, I mean. I have never ever heard of that happening before? I never did either, Patricia, but it has happened because since since we, I suppose, sort of went viral all over, I mean, it's stuff to be, like I'm in contact with people in England and everywhere now and other countries. We've got, we've heard it has happened before and uh, it's not the first time. Now, it's horrendous to imagine that they would do that. And people said, why would they do it though? And I said, because I, the only thing I could think of was you know, when you buy a puppy, they say, don't buy a puppy at a, you know, go to a, a breed or a good, you know, you do yeah, that and you see uh, the mother and the father. So, yeah. they, so instead of doing, they just robbed Daisy and pretended she was their dog. But because Daisy is such a sweet, she's a very gentle little dog. And she's sort of like you'd call a one woman dog, Rachel's dog. Yeah. She wouldn't, wa- she wouldn't walk for them. So she wouldn't cooperate with them. She was of no use, yeah. And even when we went to the DSBCA, she hadn't walked for them and they were being kind to her. They were looking after her. She wouldn't walk and she only walked when she saw me and Rachel. What, what was that reunion like? Uh, oh, sure it was. You just couldn't explain It was fantastic to get her back, you know. I but know. It was just wonderful, but the, the heartache that they are after causing all, everybody and how they could be so cruel to her. You know, I just I just cannot understand how they could do it to her. I mean, not only did they rob her from her own bed, they took her puppies off her, then they took her microchip, and then they dumped her 120 kilometres. I mean, these people, they just thought... And then when we got her home then, of course, she's traumatised, obviously. Probably we'll always be, but she immediately went looking for the puppies. Ah, she bless. You know, so it's, a, it's after being a complete and utter nightmare and we still haven't got the puppies back. And the, so had, had the pups been microchipped? No, they, no. See, they don't do them until they're eight weeks. Of course. It was course. all booked and everything that was ready. And we think that, um, all we, we know, we pretty much know now that we were targeted, you know. They just, they had, they, they were determined to get them, you know what I mean? Do you reckon? Do, do you reckon? Or do the guardy reckon that they've those pups have gone overseas? People, nobody knows, but people do think that they went up maybe to Belfast and went over to England. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they didn't get a chance because we notified the port straight away. Okay. So I honestly, Patricia, I just don't know where they are, and it's the not known is terrible. And there's another thing we I should say: the poor Daisy was covered in fleas. 
absent. Now, she, she was treated like our dogs were pampered pooches. She never had fleas. So we think she may have been kept somewhere where there was hay. Other, and other dogs? Another dog or hay. You know, I see. Yeah, yeah. But she never had fleas. And, um, and in two so days? In two days, she was covered in them. Covered in them. So. And what age is, what age is Daisy? Daisy is seven. She'll be eight in September. Oh, she's, yeah. Okay, she's, yeah. A young, she's a young enough dog. And how is she now a week on? Is she getting she, her confidence coming back? She is. Uh, she's using the sympathy card. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she's trying to get on sofas and she's... But we can't leave her for a second. Like, Rachel, my daughter, now, if she leaves the room, she cries for her. It should be okay if I'm there, maybe, or my other daughter, but she wants me or Rachel at all times. Like, we try to... If you try to go anywhere, you're not let, you know. No, so she's she's, she's leave not her, yeah. leaving any of you out of her sight, for sure. No, no. For sure. And it, that's a twine with us. I mean, we, I, I, like, I keep looking at her and say, it's actually a miracle that we got her back, you Yeah, know? yeah. Will you, it's will only you, because... Will you the, put back in a, a microchip? Oh, no, they did it for us up in Dublin. Oh, did they? Oh, they were the best in the world. Them. The ASPCA are the best in the world. They, not only did they treat her wound... Uh, that Friday, they um, rechipped her first and they did everything. They were just the best in the world. They're great. And that's the truth. They're, they're, they're fantastic they people, great. honestly. Yeah. Uh, it's just... So, it, and, and I suppose it's also a cautionary tale, uh, Patricia, to warn other people oh, about, bu- and about buying pups on, online. I w- I w- and if you go online, you what they're, the price they're asking... See, this is all done for money. This this is not done for the love of dogs, I can assure you that. I had no idea how much they were charging for Springer Spaniel pups or for any other dogs. You can they're looking up to three to four thousand euros for, for dogs. Springer Spaniels they have them for a thousand, thirteen hundred euros each. And of course I had seven. I had four girls and three boys. A lot of money to them. To them. But I mean the the word we we didn't we don't breed dogs. We're not breeders. We just love dogs and the only reason we we let days you have a puppy is that we want to continue her line because she's such a special little dog. I mean that's the only litter she's ever had and she was due to be spayed then when she recovered. With all this worked out, everything was done in advance. She, like, And for this to happen like it's just, and for us to pick on our family of all that we just adore dogs. Do you know what I mean? We and then the knock on all the families who were who families, had picked their yeah. puppies. Uh, because yeah. all the puppies were named and everything. They were all named. We had uh, Forrest, Mabel, <laughs> Maggie, Betty, Bonnie, Coba and Sam. And the day that they were, the, the Wednesday morning the, that we, when they were gone, the postman arrived with their little name bags. Ah. You know, we, had, we, got them, we bought them for them to give a little gift when they were going to their new homes and everything. Everything was sorted out. The children used to come as, because all local. We were going to see the dogs the whole yeah, time. yeah. And the children used to come and visit every week with them, you know. So, would you w- would you go again with Daisy? No, no, I wouldn't put myself. I no, 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 absolutely not. I would never do this again. Never. I still like. I just. It's just. And then I'm nervous in the house as well, you know, because these people were in my garden. I know, and I know, and, you know. I know, so. but listen, listen, you know, lightning rarely strikes twice. Try and try and put that mm. out of your head as much. Yeah, yeah. You were targeted yes. because they knew the pups were there. There's no pups oh, there. Yeah. They're, 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 no, they're no, not yes, coming yes. back. No, no, they came for them. And, and the thing is, during, for whatever reason, well, I suppose there is a reason, during lockdown, there was a massive increase in people wanting yes. to buy pups. Yes. 
because there's no pubs available. Yeah. Apparently there's no, because people weren't travelling, breeders weren't breeding, I presume now. You, you, see, you learn all this as you go along. This is all. This is this all. Uh, this is all news to me. Drones and dogs and the value of dogs. I'm just, a, we're just dog lovers. We just adore them, you know. We always kept dogs and we have, um, you know, we, we get rescue dogs as well, you know. Well, we found, a, we found a dog under a car two years ago in, in my garden. Someone dumped him and we kept him. Yeah. You know? yeah, you have a great heart. You have a great heart. Listen, I really appreciate you taking time out to, to talk to us. Um, yeah. Thanks a million and uh, give, uh, give Daisy a bit of a cuddle for us. I will, of course. Thanks for joining us. God bless. Thanks, Patricia. Bye bye. Bye bye. What a lovely lady, Patricia Doyle, there from uh, County Wexford. Just to be so, so careful. I mean, to think drones could be used to try to work out what's going on in Patricia's back garden. Of course, when they saw that litter of pop, they went to Ching. There's a lot of money there. Uh, Tony in Dublin Pike says those dogs were stolen to order. They must have had a scanner to find the chip. Where I live in the city, dogs are stolen nearly every day. Alsatian pup dogs are the latest to be stolen and they can be sold for €500 Euro each. So beware of dog van. Dog, beware of dog thefts and uh, what's going on with uh, dogs. And like listening to Patricia, she had all of the security. You know, the dogs seemed to be very secure secure at night when they were in bed. She wasn't to know what was going to happen. 1850 333103 alert people need to be very very careful there is money to be made in the sale of these uh, stolen dogs which is absolutely shocking you're listening to cork today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed this is cork today cork today with patricia messenger on c103 commentary and reacting to uh, poor Patricia from County Wexford talking about her her dog Daisy being stolen along with the pups and then what subsequently happened to poor Daisy. Horrific, horrific uh, story. I will get back to your comments but there's a lot of commentary in about the mandatory wearing of face masks particularly on public transport. Stephen in Clonakilty says I was on the bus errand bus from Parnell Place to Clonakilty yesterday. A lady got onto the bus and the bus driver says I can't let you on the bus unless you're wearing a mask. And then she proceeded to ask him, is it mandatory now? Do I have to, by law, wear a mask? And he said, yes, you do. So she got off the bus, went into the bus station, went into the shop, purchased a mask and then got back on the bus. While Carmel Infomoy says what amazes her is we all now know it is, or we should all now know, it is mandatory to wear a face mask while on public transport but she says and she uses a lot of public transport she says the amount of people who are asking the bus driver or the train driver or attendant whoever is there is it mandatory now to wear a mask do these people not watch the news why are these people not informing themselves the bus drivers must be sick of the same questions every single day when it comes to the wearing of a face mask well Joe Seward was on the Dublin Cork train yesterday evening and he tweeted about an incident he witnessed where one passenger refused to wear a face mask and Joe uh, joins me good morning to you Joe Good morning, Patricia. Now, the Gardaí had to get involved in this uh, incident. Tell me what happened. 
Okay, so I actually boarded the train myself in Thurles. That would have been the 7 o'clock train from uh, Dublin Houston to Kent Station in Cork. I would have boarded about 20 past 8. And I was cognizant of the fact that as I was boarding, there was a band Garda and a Garda also uh, present in the station in Thurles. So I assumed there might have been a possibility of spot checks for masks or there was some incident. But as I sat in the in, in the carriage, um, the steward on the train joined the vanguard and Garda and they approached a gentleman and um, there was words exchanged about his non-wearing of a mask and he steadfastly refused to wear the mask as, as I discovered afterwards. He'd been asked a few times, but he also refused to provide any identification. And at that point, when he refused to provide identification, um, he was cautioned by the vanguard and arrested and taken away. It happened pretty quickly and they were quite rigid. Uh, he didn't get a second opportunity and he was taken off the train. And um, it was afterwards I spoke with the steward who told me that he'd asked the guy three or four times on the en route from um, Dublin to Thurles and he phoned ahead when the gentleman refused to comply. He had a mask, but he said it was within his rights not to wear the mask. And at that point, the steward, the Irish Rail stewards, um, took the decision to phone the Gardaí and they were waiting in Thurles. And could you overhear his discussion with the Vanguard as to why he didn't want to wear the mask? It seems bizarre that he had a mask with him but was refusing to wear it. I mean, it was he wasn't claiming that he had a medical condition, for example. No, and the, the steward confirmed that to me. If he confirmed that he had a medical issue or that he had problems breathing or anything like that, that it would have been put to bed immediately. But... Um, he steadfastly refused on, on kind of principled grounds, um, maybe making kind of smart aleck comments that it was an invasion of his rights. Um, so to that effect, that seemed to have been his, his reasoning behind it. But he did have a mask. And as I say, the, the compliance on the train last night was close to 100%. So, yeah, yeah. Um, he was, and I think it was over 200 people on that train. And, and uh, but enough for people to be socially distanced? Um, yeah, um, the seats are, um, every every seat is, is, has a kind of a, a COVID sign. So you can sit on one seat, but nobody can sit alongside you. Okay, okay, that's, that's the way they're doing it. That's right. Unless I take it if you're in a family, you're allowed to sit together, are oh, you? If, yeah, yeah if, if, you're, if you're family members, you can sit, sit together. But, but, you, but so, no so you're not going to have a random stranger sitting beside you. So we're going to miss out on all those wonderful conversations you have when you meet somebody on a train. You would, and usually the, the, the 7 o'clock train from Dublin would normally be uh, at maximum capacity. Most Cork Dublin trains in the evening from 5 o'clock on would be at maximum capacity, um, but at the moment, uh, not quite at full capacity. But starting, there has been a not- noticeable increase in numbers in, in recent, um, in the last week or so. Yeah, yeah, people are certainly back out and about. And the Gardaí who got on in Thurles were also wearing masks. They were wearing masks and gloves, um, so they were fully... Um, kitted out, so to speak. And they were quite firm and quite rigid, but I think it opens up probably going forward. It's going to present a lot of problems. I know that Dermot O'Leary, who's the General Secretary of the um, the Rail and, and Bus Drivers Union, um, had expressed concerns about policing this when it came in. I think there might have been a sense of naivety from Michal Martin when he said Irish people are very compliant by nature. He was correct in that. I think Irish people have been very compliant but you, you still are going to have isolated incidents like this. So I don't think it's necessarily uh, the remit of the steward 
to be engaging with people because last night that gentleman was quite placid. Um, he might have been obstinate, but he was placid. But there may be an occasion when a steward may have to deal with somebody who gets physically aggressive. Yeah, yeah. And that wouldn't necessarily be within his job remit to, to act as a security. Um, you do see security on the Cork Dublin trains very rarely. It might be after international soccer matches or maybe after All-Ireland. But apart from that, you would just have catering staff and a steward whose main purpose would be dealing with things like um, people sitting in the wrong seats where pre-booking yeah. you know, is, is predetermined. But I, I mentioned it earlier, Joe, when I was teeing up that you were going to come on, uh, uh, that you were going to be joining us. Uh, when it becomes mandatory to, and when I mean, I'm assuming legislation is going to be passed, to wear your face mask inside in all supermarkets and shops, I mean, there's, there's no retail assistant is paid enough to confront a member of the public who decides not to wear a mask. No, it's going to, it's, it's certainly going to cause a lot of problems, I would imagine, from next week now. As you say, at supermarkets, um, as I said, people have been very, very compliant all along. And we saw, you know, when there was queues at the start of the, the, the lockdown, people were quite well behaved generally and adhered to most of the things. But this is another, uh, you know, policing of this is the real problem, I think, um, it's something maybe the government hadn't factored in because just in the debate last night in the reaction to the tweet I put up, there seemed to be two camps. Um, there was a lot of people were delighted that the, the Irish Rail had enforced this and that the Guardi had come along. But equally, there was another huge camp were very much anti-mask. But there's, there seems to be a strong kind of division there. And I think that has kind of, that has been reflected in the debate right through um, COVID. There's a lot of people very much anti-establishment and very much anti, uh, maybe, you know, that the state have had too much power. We've seen that when we had the Gardaí with the special powers during the bank holiday weekends during lockdown. Mm, so mm. there's quite a division out there and there was some very na- nasty rhetoric among people last night and uh, there is there is a sense of viciousness. There is, there, there is. And you got, I have to say, you got a, a huge reaction. Did you expect to get that kind of a reaction on Twitter? Um, you can never gauge with Twitter. You'd no. be surprised sometimes. Something, sometimes that you'd expect to get a reaction on Twitter, you don't. And then the ones um, that you don't expect it, it absolutely takes off. And it is mandatory. There is a law in place about wearing a mask on public transport. You can be fined up to €2,500. There's even the prospect of a six-month jail sentence. We got on to, to the Gardaí about the incident on the train and, uh, and other than they confirmed that it, it did happen. They wouldn't get into the specifics of it, but they did say that the Gardaí, they engage, educate and encourage and then as a last resort they enforce and they tell us that they attended the scene of an incident on a train in Thurles at approximately 8.30 uh, yesterday evening. In this instance they say following Garda attendance a man complied with public health regulations. The man was then later arrested for an alternative offence and detained at Templemore Garda station. Now obviously they're not getting into uh, anything else that happened after that but they say he did comply but he got arrested for something else afterwards. But yeah, anyway, well, he, had the ma- he had the mask, but the, 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 the part of the conversation that I overheard was his, not, his refusal to give, um, give his uh, identity, to provide the guardian with his identity. And uh, that seems to be the bone of contention. But uh, I know the, the headlines have been made all week about £2,500 fine and jail sentence, but that's the very extreme of the level. I know in the UK, it's going to be a 50, €50 euro fine, I think, in public places like sh- shops and arcades. Um, uh, and that goes to, goes up to a hundred if you don't pay it on the spot. So, um, 
and I think it rises again then for second offences. So, again... That's what RG Data, that's what um, RG, Tara Buckley from RG Data is suggesting that we introduce an on-the-spot €100 Euro fine. But who, who will police that? Yeah, that, that presents... You, you see, even... I was in Dublin during the week. The Lewis, um, where social distancing is never... <laughs> the Lewis is usually are crammed in like sardines. And, but the Lewis employs a security firm who are very heavy-handed and very rigid because they're dealing with incidences, uh, antisocial behaviour regularly yeah. in, in Dublin. And um, they'd be quite used to policing something like that. But I, I think that's where Micheál Martin and the government made an error of judgment, I think, the policing of this, they should have taken note of what the Dermot O'Leary was saying. He's been saying this since back in May. And I suppose the other crux of the matter is they've been calling for masks um, since way back at the start. And it's, it's only now they're coming in. And, and some of the signage on the trains is still saying masks are advisable. So they haven't actually updated the, the signage. And, and, the in, and interesting to see our listeners talking about the bus, the, the bus drivers are refusing to let people get on unless they have a mask. Yeah, um, some bus drivers are stricter than others. Again, you're always looking for a standardised approach. I think that's been one of the weaknesses mm. of COVID across Europe and the world is that we haven't all... Different countries seem to have different guidelines and different parameters and maybe a more standardised approach from day one right across Europe, especially if we're, as we're all part of the European Union, might have served everybody better. Well, there was so much mix, mist, mixed messaging about masks at the start. I think there was the fear factor when we had a shortage of PPE that if everybody started wearing masks in public, there wouldn't be enough PPE for the frontline a, staff. A, a lot of people are don't know how to use masks properly. That's the actually. other problem. That is the other problem. Yeah, in, in, in a previous life, I worked in, in, a, in a pharmaceutical plant where we, and I worked in a sterile environment um, where um, we wore masks every day, but um, a lot of people are contaminating, continuing to wear them. So I think there needs to be a better education of how to utilise the mask properly. Yeah. Um, but it is a tough enough experience going up to Dublin we'd say nearly three hours on the train and you, it's very humid the weather at the moment mm. and I would imagine a lot of people find it rather uncomfortable and um, children under 13 aren't required to wear masks. People with special needs aren't either. I know that uh, there were a lot of concerns expressed by people who have children with autism yeah it'd be very they, difficult they would find it very difficult very so, difficult very. and I, then I, let's I, not forget the deaf community who are really struggling because they can't lip read they can't yeah, see people's facial or facial reactions in, yeah yeah okay listen good talking to you Joe thank you for that and thanks no for joining problem. us on the programme good morning to you uh, bye bye that is uh, Joe Seward who was on that train yesterday evening and witnessed the man being removed for not wearing the mask even as I say the guard they say he was arrested for an alternative uh, offence Bernie in Mallow says this is on face masks rising up and people pulling at them and trying to fix them and not wearing them pro- properly. Uh, Bernie also finds the same same thing, and she so she got one of the face shields. She said they're much more comfortable to uh, wear. You're not fixing them all the time. You're not touching them. So if people are having problems with the actual mask over your mouth, you might consider getting one of the face shields, the visors, which of course are re- reusable. Timmy says. 
people stop having this double-sided conversation when it comes to the COVID-19. One minute we're fighting a pandemic, the next minute we're fighting over whether pubs should open or not. We can't be listening to how gloves and hand sanitizers and masks, how people are wearing them wrong and then closing pubs at the same time. In the event of things going wrong with the opening of everything, who is going to be blamed? Who will take responsibility? I have four family members all working in the front line of this. They are putting in serious effort and there is so much rubbish going on at the moment with people calling for pubs to be reopened. It's about time that the general public makes make their minds up. Do they want to let this virus run riot or do we want to contain it? People need to start taking responsibility. 1850 Michael in the city, was it not within his rights not to wear this mask? I thought the Gardaí were only to implement criminal law and not this type of mandatory law. Would the Gardaí tell us in their statement that what they do is they with the members of the public they will engage they'll educate and they will encourage they will do all of that it's all the E's there's four E's though if they've tried to engage they've tried to educate they've tried to encourage as a last resort they will enforce and there is legislation in place so they are uh, allowed to uh, do it 1850 on Patricia and her poor dog that was stolen Daisy and Daisy having his the little microchip ripped out of his neck with a knife God, it's just shameful. Some of your thoughts on that. Heidi says, Patricia, the lady who had her puppies stolen, is it yet another thing humans do to animals by selling on their puppies? If they're not in treating animals, they're using them one way or another. This cruelty to animals must be stopped. I sent you in an article about the boy that tortured a hedgehog. It's outrageous. And, you know, I saw that story on the paper and I couldn't even read it, uh, Heidi. But thank you for sending it on. Breather says, Patricia, I was in tears listening to that lady, Patricia from County Wexford tell her story about her dog Daisy. It's heartbreaking what those cruel and then the B word's been used which I can't use what they did to Daisy uh, only knows where only God only knows where her pups are but this cruelty is all around us it really really uh, must uh, stop Caroline says Hi Patricia my heart goes out to that lady and her beautiful dog the port security have a lot to answer for there's no proper checks been done pups dogs and pups need to be stopped being taken out of the country you would have a better chance of finding them at least if they stayed in the country says Caroline Remember we had a lady on a couple of weeks ago was talking about when she when she came over here with it's one of our listeners who listens overseas that when she came over she got the pet passport and all of that and she was bringing her much loved dog with her and couldn't believe that there was no check at all after all of the money she paid to make sure that her dog was in perfect health and that she had a pet passport she wasn't checked bringing the dog into Ireland or wasn't checked bringing the dog out of uh, Ireland either so it does seem to be quite easy to smuggle those stolen animals out of the country. And Patricia, thank you for highlighting this issue of dogs being stolen. It's absolutely devastating. I have five rescue pedigree dogs at the moment. I have locks everywhere on their kennels. I am so anxious all the time just trying to keep them safe. I've even limited my time outside of the house, which, by the way, isn't healthy for my own mental health. Many years ago, we we had a dog stolen and our hearts were absolutely broken. And now I'm doing everything that I possibly can to keep these eight pedigree rescued pedigree dogs well done to you you're doing great work as well looking after those dogs but yeah there's a lot of very anxious people out there terrified that their much loved dog uh, could be taken 1850 333 103 C103 Jobs Apprentice toolmaker is required for Charleville students with a good leaving cert 
standard in engineering, technical graphics and maths should apply. Motor mechanic required full-time position, that's in Fomoy. While the Charleville plant hire, they're looking for a qualified mechanic for maintenance for their hire and motor fleet. And a childminder is wanted for three children in the children's own home, four days a week. And it's in the Hazelwood area of Mallow. Own car is necessary. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Board today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And a listener by text saying, Patricia, have you any information on when nursing homes will be fully open to visitors? Uh, these residents have more or less been in lockdown since early March. All we seem to hear about are people worried about when will pubs uh, reopen. I think of all of those people who have nobody to uh, talk to. Uh, yeah, and I don't know how many people watched the primetime programme on the nursing homes last night. God, it was pretty upsetting. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days, you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wasn't it uh, to watch? And I know nursing homes have been doing fantastic work in allowing loved ones very limited visits at the moment. But I know when you're saying that they have nobody to talk to, I think the staff of nursing homes have been going above and beyond since this pandemic started doing their very best and there's a lot of going you know there's a lot going on inside keeping people entertained and you know making sure that people are interacting with each other but of course there's nothing like having a visit from a family and no I haven't heard anything that leads me to believe there will be a full reopening of visiting hours at nursing homes at the moment you need to I think it's book a time slot almost you need to contact your nursing home there has been small outbreaks of COVID-19 in some nursing homes and obviously as soon as there's a confirmed case of COVID-19 in a nursing home those nursing homes once again are back to fully restricting visitors so that's why you can't just simply rock up on Sunday afternoon to go and visit granny unfortunately like you used to be able to do before this pandemic arrived you need to contact your nursing home in advance you need to find out when they're able to facilitate you coming to visit your loved one but yeah I do accept it is extremely hard 
both on the residents within the nursing home, but also on families who are really, really desperate to get back to visiting their family members and wanting to, to visit them on a weekly basis as soon as we have any update on that or any discussions as to when that's going to happen. Uh, we certainly will bring it to you. Now, yesterday we spoke with the Vintners Federation of Ireland who described the decision not to reopen the pubs until the 10th of August as a hammer blow to the industry with fears that some smaller rural pubs may never open again. So this morning we turn our attention to hotels and how they will be affected by the deferral of phase four, which has now been deferred by a further three uh, weeks. Neil Grant is manager of the Celtic Ross Hotel in Ross Garbury. And uh, Neil uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Neil. Hi there, Patricia. How are you? I'm, very, I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, the number who can gather indoors was, we were hoping, to rise to 100 from next Monday, but yeah. it now remains at 50. Is that going to have a major impact on hotels? I straight away thought of weddings. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. I think weddings are the big one, but I think the thing with weddings is it's the general uncertainty around weddings is just difficult. And I think it's difficult for all couples because, I mean, as you know, uh, certainly in rural areas in Ireland, most weddings are over are over fifty or a hundred people anyway. You know, so um, so I mean, look, even if it went from fifty to a hundred, you know, there's still uh, the larger weddings that are still a little bit uncertain. You know, um, and I think at this moment in time, it just seems that you're going from week to week, and uh, you know, couples are on the phone and looking for clarity, and there's not much clarity we can give them either, which is the the biggest. And, and I don't you know. know if it's happened in your hotel, but I have heard of other hotels who had tentatively taken a booking for 100 people. Mm. And now you've got a bride and groom having to ring up Auntie Bridie and say, sorry, you yeah. can't come. That's a, that's, it's unfair as well, isn't it? It is. It's too short a lead time. I mean, it's not. I think what's uh, forgotten here is big decisions like that. You know, people plan their wedding for years. Many people um, I mean, look, uh, from our perspective, quite a lot of our weddings uh, postponed till later in the year or next year, um, you know, and they, they made that call a while back. Um, so we've got some smaller weddings, which we're still hoping will, will you know, will be fine based on the, the way the current numbers are projected to go. So hopefully it'll be fine. But I, I think we've, we've had a spread of business, which is, you know, uh, you know, not all about weddings. It's not all about a restaurant. It's not all about rooms. It's kind of we've, we've got a few different markets in play. So uh, we've probably the biggest effect we've seen is that the general size of the big wedding, you know, uh, those are the ones that even this uh, the lack of the change from 50 to 100, you know, they were going to be affected anyway. So they've, mm. they've made their, their call themselves. Uh, I think the biggest advice I can give is, I mean, at the end of the day, you want to enjoy the lead up to your wedding. You don't want to be stressing about these things. So if there's any way we can help them, uh, you know, to, to postpone or to make decisions based on the, you know, yeah. uh, the enjoyment of the, the lead up as much as the day, then we'll help in whatever way suits the couple. Uh, and whether did, that's holding it two dates so that they can have one date for now and then if things change we've got another date holding for them in the future so look it's it's I mean, like everything in this, it's just it's so it's so uncertain, so yeah. unclear, and that's the, that's and the you, frustration. Did the announcement come like a bolt out of the blue, or were you kind of expecting it? Uh, for the phase four, um, yeah. look, I was, you were kind of expecting it. You were hearing rumbles about the the pubs, um, and so there was certain concern uh, about that the 
that the pub date was going to go back, but I didn't think the gatherings would. Uh, yeah, I didn't think they would look at the overall phase mm. uh, being uh, being delayed, and I think that's the frustration. Like it, it's, it's it can't be a horse. It's a horse for a course. It can't be one glove fits all. And I think that the the slight frustration is, you know, if they had a hang up about uh, drinking, then you know, or or about pubs, then does that affect the um, you know the uh, you know the gathering? Uh, you know, I I don't know, but I think I'd also make it clear that I'm not actually sure that this decision will will make any difference to the spread of the, the virus because you know does that just drive people to you know go and drink in a beach or in a gathering or drink in a house yeah. in a gathering or yeah. you know I don't I don't uh, I would have preferred to see I mean a big part of uh, of Irish life uh, to to visitors generally is the 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 rural Irish pub or the the Irish pub which is actually a bit of an institution to me I think it's you know coming from Scotland I. I think there's nothing like an Irish pub. The the warmth, the hospitality, the fact they're owner operated, and I've come from the UK where there's a lot of chains, and that's uh, it's soulless. Um, and I think that that's my worry. You know, if people come to the Celtic Ross in Ross Carberry, they want to go to you know Pascal's and Nolan's and and the Abbey Bar. You know, as much as they want to come to the hotel, I don't expect them to stay in the hotel the whole time. And so this is kind of. Uh, robbing uh, people of, uh, you know, those pubs that don't serve food is robbing people of that opportunity to just go for a wander uptown and, and to go into one of those pubs. And, that's and the, a number yeah. of people made that point yesterday because we know that Neffet and the government are citing house parties as one of the reasons why we're seeing more cases of COVID-19. But, you know, a number of people said that yesterday. Well, if you don't open the pubs, you're going to drive those in the main young people to have more house parties. Yeah, I look. It's, it will. People are looking for something to do. The restrictions are easing, so people are. I mean, they're allowed to to meet a certain number of people outside. Uh, you know, outside of their circle now, and and so they are looking to catch up with people. And in fairness, everyone's got a bit of cabin fever, so they will find ways to to do it. I think. Look, I mean, we've always you know, taking the stance. I mean, it is about health first and foremost, and that's by far and away the most important thing. So we try and. We, you know, we'll do whatever it takes. We wouldn't, you know, we shut the hotel because it was, uh, you know, it was just going to be impossible. We've reopened in a restricted capacity to start with to, you know, to help it. But I think there's got to be some better form of, of judgment or thought around how, uh, you know, businesses can at least survive, you know. And the worry is that if uh, it's just a blanket, things are shut, then... I don't know that that works. Now, I don't have the answer either. I know, I know. But you're right. One size drink, doesn't yeah. fit all. A lot of people asking, what about hotel bars? A hotel, is your bar open? Uh, no, we're we're the exact same as, um, we're the exact same as, you know, any, any pub that serves food, you know, in the sense that we can serve drinks with a meal. Um, and, you know, by the letter of the guidelines and the law, it's... Uh, you know, you, you're uh, unless people have a meal, whether resident or non-resident, they shouldn't be served a, a drink. You know, um, so it's it's kind of we're it's we're we're in that interim period where where we are we've got to adhere by that as well. And if you've paid for a room, it's a bit of a frustration that yeah, you and, have, to and, have a meal with a drink. And listening yesterday, no guarantees that um, it, it, the pubs will reopen on the tenth of August. Uh, well, look, I hope. Uh, I, I mean. You're not surprised by anything now, so I mean, you just, yeah. I think the best, the best way to deal with it is if you can't control it, you just need to do the best you can within uh, the hand, the card of hands you're dealt. You know, yeah, um, yeah. 
Uh, and uh, how, are you, how are you doing? Are you busy? Are there a lot of people around? Are there a lot um, of staycationers, overseas visitors? Uh, there's no overseas visitors. I mean, okay. I, or I've not seen them in the hotel anyway. Um, you know, certainly every day uh, we get a number of bookings on the website and those bookings are all Irish. So right. uh, we would work with tour operators for our overseas business and we're not seeing, um, you know, any tour operator business. Uh, so it is domestic. Uh, so it is staycation. The length of stay is up. Um, uh, we're... Uh, just uh, we we made a decision to you know kind of open our function room as a pop up dining room, uh, so that's for our non residents, and then we have our uh, our main hotel bar because we're a bit restricted in the number of tables we can hold in there. We said, is it better just to hold that for residents, so it almost acts as the the public areas of the hotel, so that residents can relax and lounge around and read a paper or have a coffee or whatever, and. Uh, we're we're certainly at the moment where our occupancy is not uh, it's not anywhere near where it would be last year. But I think comparatively speaking, West Cork uh, as a as a destination in Ireland is doing quite well. You know. Well, uh, actually, we we've a piece running on our news on on a survey from myhome.ie, which was showing searches um, for Irish holiday homes, but they were just looking at the different areas where people were uh, searching, and yeah. West Cork came out particularly strong with Ross Garbery being mentioned. Yeah, Russ yeah. Carberry seems yeah. to, I think Russ Carberry seems busy. Now, I think everything's comparative, like it's uh, it, it's, it's busy uh, where there's a lot of places really struggling and really on their knees and we're blessed in that manner, but it's still not at, um, you know, I think anyone who thinks that business for many businesses is at the levels it was last year, it's, uh, in most cases it's not, but I think people are learning to adapt as best they can. I think uh, I've just come off a training course with Fulcher Ireland this morning, uh, which was done uh, online as they are now, and I mean they're predicting a four to five year recovery, you know, um, which that puts it in perspective. But certainly we're relieved to be open. We're relieved that there's a body of business that is 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 not bad, you know. We're certainly, um, but it comes with it the challenges of how you handle it. It's been I've I found it's actually it's quite stressful for our guests as much as it can be for the you know the the staff, you know, in the sense that they they are delighted to see us and they're here but they're all saying oh my gosh it's a bit different isn't it but I then know. once they've once they've experienced it they go but you know what it felt safe and that was great and it's but there's everyone's adjusting you know and that's um, what it's all about that's yeah, what it's all about and I think with the staycation people are finding parts of this country that they never even knew existed so and uh, you're, yeah. you're in a wonderful yeah. part of the country yeah. uh, in West Cork in West Garby. we leave it there uh, Neil thank you for that we'll talk again no doubt but Absolutely. thanks for joining us good morning to you bye 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 Neil Grant there who is the general manager of the Celtic Ross Hotel in Roscarbury 1850 333103 Hey, Patricia. Now, why has Cork County Council decided to erect this barrier? Uh, their argument uh, and their position today is that they're doing it on the grounds of health and safety. Um, but I suppose our argument uh, as public reps, and this includes all three uh, Corksville West deputies and almost every county councillor, uh, is that there needs to be proper, full consultation uh, before any barrier is put in place. For two grounds, really. Um, the main and number one reason is uh, there are residents that live uh, adjacent to the pier um, who have serious concerns about health and safety if the barrier is put in place. 
Uh, and secondly, the barrier, the peer, I, I think the best thing I could do, Patricia, if you, if you give me a minute, is try to describe um, Keelbeg Pier and the layout of Keelbeg Pier because I know listeners uh, will be listening to me talking and they won't have a clue exactly what okay. I'm uh, talking about. But, so Keelbeg Pier is a, is a fantastic facility uh, mainly built uh, for the fishing, fishing community. There's a fantastic fishing uh, industry down in Union Hall, but also there is an element of leisure use. There's a, a fantastic slipway, which is used uh, by my Ross Rowing Club and by other leisure um, users. It's used by the RNLI. And also uh, to the um, uh, east of the beach, to the, eastern, or to the eastern side of the pier, there's a, a really safe, lovely little beach, a sandy beach that uh, locals and tourists alike will use. So, um, there's a main entrance to the pier and the proposal is from Cork County Council that they would um, put a barrier up uh, that would, uh, I suppose, cut off any access to the pier. But this will do two things. It will cut off access to um, the slipway, which I already mentioned is used by leisure users and uh, rowing pub, etc. Okay. But probably the most concerning thing uh, is the concerns of residents who live adjacent to the pier. What this will do is, at present... Because the pier is accessible by all, they can use the parking area uh, when they're accessing the beach or the slipway. What this will do is it'll funnel traffic um, right in front of the residents' houses uh, where children are at play, where children cross the road, where, uh, you know, not just children, but residents alike. Uh, and it's going to cause absolute uh, mayhem. Um, we, co- we we met with officials of Cork County Council down there um, last week, almost every a public representative that you could think of was there, Patricia. You've had them all on your radio show over at one stage or another. Uh, and we thought that we had come to a compromise, a workable compromise that would have separated the commercial activity from the leisure activity, which is fair. I understand the principles behind separating commercial activity from the um, uh, leisure activity. But we had come up with a fair compromise that council officials um, had actually agreed at the time and said that this is something that we can work on. Um, lo and behold, I uh, got a phone call two days ago to say that the council uh, had done a U-turn and they were proceeding with their plans to uh, put the barrier at the main entrance to the pier. Which and I believe work is to begin on Monday? Is that true? Um, I I can see a lot of commentary coming in. It's it's really upset a lot of people in Union Hall. A lot of people are talking about, are there also plans to uh, knock down a historic pier wall? Potentially longer term. I'm not 100% sure of that, Patricia. You caught me off the hop with that, but uh, maybe longer term. I'm not sure, but you'd have to contact residents. Okay, and and a number, a number, actually, I've just seen there's a resident going to join us. There's a number of other people saying that there's no consultation with the residents. And I think that's what really annoys people. It's when the council make these decisions and they don't talk to the people who's going to impact them the most. I had a message from a local um, this morning. Uh, asking a very simple question, why do we elect councillors, why do we elect TDs when um, they have actually no influence whatsoever to intervene in these types of situations? I can totally understand that comment because you have this um, extraordinary situation where you have three uh, elected TDs, almost every elected uh, councillor, asking, just asking very simply, can we delay and pause these works until there's a full consultation had with residents with leisure users, with stakeholders, that consultation has not happened to the level that it should happen. There was an ad hoc meeting two weeks ago where we thought we'd come to a compromise. Yet here we are shoehorning the barrier in, which is going to be, it's going to be a, a disaster. Okay, uh, stay there because uh, I think it's Rona is lives in Union Hall. Uh, good morning, Rona. 
Uh, Rena. Rena, sorry, Rena. My apologies. Um, okay, you live in in Union Hall. How do you feel if this barrier is put in place? How will it affect you? Look, Patricia. I suppose the bottom line is it's it's the whole thing has been terribly upsetting due to the lack of consultation. Uh, I think we're very reasonable people here in Union Hall. We're a group of people who pull together very well when we're consulted. But the the council are driving a wedge through a large group of people here. We're worried. We're worried for our residents. We're living here in houses that are in place for over 300 years. The pier was built long after these houses were built. But from me and my perspective, I have three small children. This row of houses has uh, people from an age range of two weeks old. (laughs) In their 70s, I won't give away any more ages than that. But when we step out of our houses, Patricia, we step directly onto the road. Yeah, there's, there's no gardens no there. Your front door no. is, stra- is straight on onto and the there, road. There, there isn't even a footpath. Patricia. Yeah. It's directly onto the road. So in order for me and my children to reach the safety of a footpath, we have to cross the road. Now, the council, I don't know where they're going with their health and safety reports and their audits and everything else, but they certainly have not t- conducted a health and safety study in relation to the increased volume of traffic passing down in front of our houses. We're okay, a number of people are pointing out if, they, if the fishermen cleaned up their nets, there's a lot of nets on the pier. There is historically a huge problem here with storage of nets and the condition of the storage. I, I mean, storage is, 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 is a, maybe an overestimation of how they're being maintained. They're thrown in all different locations and I won't describe the conditions. That it, it's actually, to be honest with you, as a resident, it's embarrassing to have family and friends down here at the pier because of the condition of the pier. Is there an old fishing boat tied up with the last eight years and you can see rats coming out of it? Yes. Oh, my God. And just to give you an indication, Patricia, as I said, we're living here on the pier. If you look out my window of my sitting room, uh, we were able to look across to the beautiful bridge in Union Hall. Everyone knows the single lane bridge into Union Hall. Over time now, it is impossible for us to see that bridge due to the increased stacking of nets in containers in front of our window on the pier. Christopher, do, do the council have a role there? Oh, absolutely. That is the council's responsibility. The council, Patricia, have this incredible asset. Uh, and look, I think in terms of the fishing activity that, take down, that takes place on there, we all acknowledge that the fishing activity is essential for local employment, uh, you know, there's incredible uh, food-related businesses that have flourished because of the fishing down there. But the council have responsibility for the pier, the pier use, uh, and um, the safety of the pier, etc. Now, they have let a situation develop where there's these uh, towering, um, almost building-like structures of, of nets that have built up over the years. You know, I mean, Rena there where Rena lives, she should be able to enjoy uh, beautiful views of... Um, Glandor uh, Bay and, and into My Ross and up towards Lep and, and looking at the, the famous bridge there. But unfortunately, that's obscured by a build-up of, of nets. And that is, it's not the fishing community's fault. That is down to uh, bad management by Cork County Council. So if they are intervening, that's the kind of steps that that's they need to That's what they need, they need to be of, doing. Instead of blocking out... And Arena, how, how are local people feeling about the news that work is expected to begin on Monday? Um quite shocked, quite shocked at the lack of consultation and very, very concerned because we feel that people are not coming down from the council to actually look firsthand at the concerns here. I mean, Patricia, uh, Christopher mentioned there the beach that's here on the uh, on the eastern end of the pier. Now, the council are proposing that this very old sea wall be knocked to 
enter a public car park, to provide entrance to a public car park. Now, that seawall is at least 100 to 150 years old and providing flood protection to our houses here. It has provided many times flood protection. They're now proposing to knock that wall in order to gain access to the public car park there. Which could now, lead to all kinds of flooding of the houses. Absolutely. Oh, my and God. public access car park will then be tra- uh, sending traffic through where every child in the village learns to swim. Irish Water Safety conducts their safety week for swimming lessons here. Every young kayaker brings their kayaker down there to learn how to safely kayak. And now there will be traffic sent. Okay. We're, we're, okay. We're, just, we're, I, I just want to say, like... We, we don't want the improvement of safety standards for one group to be to the detriment of the safety of another group. And we, okay. we are not anti-barriers. It isn't one against the other. Listen, we're, 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 we've been on to the council. We're, we are uh, awaiting their response. And I can just see that the text message machine in front of me is nearly blowing up. I would say every resident in Union Hall and the surrounding areas has contacted us. We'll, we'll, if the council want a copy of all of those texts that are coming in, there is so many people. I can't see anybody in the list of all the texts I've got in uh, in favour of it. We'll stay on top of this uh, story. In the meantime, uh, Rena, thank you uh, for thank joining you. us on the programme. And Christopher, thank you for highlighting the issue thank to you. us. Thank you. Good morning to you. Uh, bye-bye, uh, Deputy Christopher O'Sullivan from uh, West Cork and Rena, one of the residents in Union Hall. 1850-333-103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Been in undated uh, with commentary and reaction to my chat with Christopher O'Sullivan, the local Dáil deputy in West Cork, and Rena, who is a resident in Union Hall, about this pier about this barrier that the council are planning to erect on the pier in Union Hall. We're still awaiting. We've we've put a request into Cork County Council to find out their, their thinking and their reasoning and their thought pattern behind this barrier. Bearing in mind, I would say, looking at the number of texts alone, I can just see the texts that have come into me uh, in here to the studio. I would say there isn't a resident in Union Hall that hasn't contacted us this morning. Everybody is totally against the erection of this barrier. I mean... We, officials need to listen to local people. These are the people that have to live in an area. These are the people that are going to be affected by a decision that has been made by someone or some group of people who have decided that this barrier is going up under health and safety and yet nobody's listening to the local people as to what effect will this barrier have on their lives and on their health and safety. Let me just give you a snapshot of some of the texts that uh, we've received in literally from when Christopher Sullivan came on air and for about five minutes afterwards the text message machine actually couldn't read them because it keeps flashing every time a new text comes in so the screen kind of jumps a little bit so it's hard to read them when they're coming in hot and heavy like that. Anyway, here's just some of the texts we've had in. Peter says, I holiday annually in Union Hall and I spent every summer down at the beach of the pier. The council are an absolute disgrace to go ahead with the idea of this barrier. Please, this is uh, Miriam, please support Keelbeg Pier. It's such an important part of our community here in Union Hall. Its maintenance is vital on several levels. Safety for all on the water 
commercially to all of our fishing businesses and for the pleasure of safe access to the water. That's from Miriam. This is a total ridiculous decision, says another texter. Traffic and lack of parking will be a nightmare and it will be unsafe. Dennis says the council don't seem to be using their common sense on this one. Anna says health and safety is the reason they've been put forward by Cork County Council. The safety of our children is a huge concern to us, the residents, as the volume of cars will increase near the wall near the well-used beach. We also feel very strongly about preserving local access to the sea. Cork County Council have shown total disregard towards us, the residents, and have not taken our concerns on board at all, says Anna. Marie says, I am the Irish Water Safety local contact and a resident of Keelbeg. Every year, we have about 120 children doing swim and safety classes here at our local beach. This will not be a safe space for those children with the proposed changes. Shame on the council. Another texter says, I swim every day in Union Hall. What the council are proposing doesn't make any sense and all the increased traffic near the beach and the residence road will result in an accident. Someone else says, raw sewage being pumped into the harbour where children are swimming and sailing. Cork County Council are doing nothing about that. Diesel spills on a weekly basis from the council-run pier. Children and wildlife swimming in diesel. Cork County Council doing nothing about that and yet they're now saying they're concerned about health and safety question mark question mark another person says I live in the pier area and I'm afraid that we as a family will have to move house for the safety of our family with the additional traffic on our doorstep. Avril says it's going to endanger the lives of our children. We're very lucky to have so many permanent residents and children in Keelbeg. How many other small villages are in this position and the council is riding rough shot over us? The cul-de-sac sign is in the wrong place, by the way. And every day in the holiday season, countless cars come down our drive to turn because they're stuck if the barrier goes up, we will end up having to put up electric gates and this will make the traffic pile up at the pier. It'll make it even worse, says Avril. Catherine McCroom says Cork County Council, this would really be health and safety gone mad if this goes ahead if you put up that barrier. As a frequent visitor, I have no problem negotiating Keelbeg Pier, but it will be dangerous if you change the layout and there will be much worse problems with parking and the congestion on such a narrow road. Someone else says who gives the council the authority to completely ignore due process and democracy. Someone else says the local fishing industry is very important but I do feel they, the fishing industry, could spend can spend millions on boats and gear etc. Surely they can build a storage area for their nets and a lot of people actually are picking up on that um, the what's left on the pier and the the nets that are left there that's causing problems. Liam from Glandor says we use the slipway every weekend in the summer to launch and retrieve our boats for leisure use. Are the council going to give us an alternative slipway to use? It would be more in their line to tidy up the pier, says Liam. Someone else says please stop the council from proceeding. This is typically a decision made by someone who doesn't live in Union Hall. They've no idea of the disruption and the upset that this has caused and is totally unaffected by the decision. This should not go ahead. And Lee says people have used the pier and the slipway in Union Hall for generations with commercial and leisure users working in harmony with little or no issues. Cork County Council, lack of understanding for the needs of the local community and visitors, visitors beggars belief. A clean, safe pier and a slipway needs to be maintained with facilities for all, including disabled access for boat users. Wake up, Cork County Council. Work with everybody, please, says Lee, who is 
is also a resident in Union Hall. Hi, this is an absolute tragedy. It's bureaucracy gone wrong. They are going ahead with this proposal on Keelbeg Pier which is used for commercial and pleasure purposes private money has been given over for the upgrade and maintenance of the pier by the Yacht Club and other clubs there's been no consultation process with any persons or parties uh, with a vested uh, interest. Someone else says people come to this area to walk around and look at the view on the pier if these barriers are put up those people will not be able to do so uh, again and on and on and on go. That's just, as I say, a snapshot and a lot of them are making uh, similar uh, points. Can will I just bring one final one? Okay, one final one. Hi, no residents in Kilbeg were informed about the barriers on the pier going up are the change to the flow of traffic. There was no consultation with the residents and the council intend to move the flow of traffic to pass the houses at Kilbeg. That puts our elderly residents and our children's safety at risk. The council proposal to break, da- break through a new entrance to the pier car park and knock down the only original historic pier wall which remains is also unacceptable. Then when the car park is full the traffic will continue past the pier up a cul-de-sac road where there's no turning places and the traffic would then have to reverse back down the road causing major problems should emergency services need access for any of the residents. Did Cork County Council actually physically come to Keelbeg and see for themselves what these what these proposals will do. 1850-333-103. It is certainly a story we will keep an eye on. And on Monday, let the good people of Union Hall be our eyes and ears, please, and let us know because if, if, if work is, this, we're hearing that work is to begin on Monday. And as I say, we are awaiting. We've got, what, 35 minutes left on the programme. We're awaiting from the council to try to get a response as to what's going on and their thought pattern behind it and why they're doing it and are they going ahead with this decision to start the work on Monday bearing in mind that so many residents I would say all of the residents have just going down through them and I have to confirm it with John Paul but I can't find anyone who's in favour of what the council are planning to do. I can't find anyone saying yes, Cork County Council are right, this is a health and safety I- issue. If anything, it's the opposite. We have people saying health and safety it's going to make it worse and make it much more dangerous uh, for people that live there. 1850 And we've been talking about face masks on the programme uh, today and the fact that it's going to be mandatory in all of the shops and encouraging people to wear face masks and effort and all of the health experts are saying this is the best way that we can try to contain the coronavirus is for when we're in enclosed space like shops and supermarkets and shopping centres please wear a face mask Katrina has been on and says nobody has come up with where old age pensioners will get the money to buy these masks can I just say Katrina whatever about at the start the disposable face masks were very expensive but they certainly have gone down in price they they really do not co- cost a lot of money if you want to buy I, I mean I even saw in you know those discount stores I saw they were selling the disposable ones I think it was two for, for 150 but even for old age pensioners who might not have the 150 to buy disposable masks you can make your own mask at home it doesn't have to be of surgical quality you don't have to spend a lot of money on these masks it's any kind of a face covering you can use a scarf you can use a 
bandana. It's anything that they're suggesting that covers your nose and your mouth. So I don't think there should be any reason that an old age pensioner or anyone on limited money can use the reason that they don't have the money to buy one of these masks. They, If you want to go out and buy them, you certainly can buy them. They're not that expensive, but certainly you can make your own uh, as well. And I was hoping somebody would comment on this t- so that I would remember to mention it. Um, Bernard says, Patricia, it's not surprising that the number of coronavirus cases is on the rise again. Did anybody see the TV3 news report last evening where a reporter was out interviewing people on the streets of Dublin about wearing the masks? And one smart ass, one young man, refused to wear one. And in his own words, he said, sure, if I get it, I'm young, it won't kill me. So therefore, I'm not worried about it. What a twat, said Bernard. Well, you know, Bernard, it's a long time since I've shouted at the TV, but that guy stopped me dead in my tracks. And I think I actually used an expletive was what I shouted at the man. I would love to have been interviewing that guy. No, I mean, no comprehension of him passing it on to somebody. I mean, I don't know, does he have a much-loved granny or a granddad that he might go visit, that he might spend time with on Sunday? He might have Sunday lunch uh, with her. Just no concept at all of other people, of him walking down the street without his mask and he could have COVID-19. And sure, as long, it's not going to affect me. I'm young. It won't kill me. So why should I be worried about it? The selfish nature of the comment was just blew me away. So thank you Bernard for reminding me about it because I was saying I must remember uh, to give a mention to that git on the programme today. So thank you for that. And Michael in Castletown Bear, this is on the bars not reopening. Michael says, I said a few days back the bars will not reopen next Monday and that they won't reopen for another three weeks. Um, and we don't even know if it, they will open for another three, three weeks or not, judging by some of the things that were being said yesterday. It might even be the 10th of August. Anyway, Michael says, the only sensible alternative would be to close the off-licence trade, which should have been closed from day one in order to control those shenanigans that are going and are taking place, these house parties, up and down the country, which is a major contributory factor to the upsurge in COVID-19. Bars should be allowed to open. At least they could control the sale and consumption of alcohol. We either control the sale of alcohol or COVID-19 will control us. The choice is ours. We are cantering at the moment but as sure as night follows day the virus will be full throttle ahead if the corrective measures are not taken place in good time and that's from Michael in uh, Castletown Bear who also comments about what's going on in America it's just frightening what's going on, on in America and has sent me on uh, a piece of refrigerated trucks have now been requested in Texas and Arizona because the morgues literally have uh, filled up and what's happening in America you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy and we certainly don't want to see scenes like that happening here uh, in this country that we really and I know there has been big the all the public Public health experts are saying the next two weeks uh, is where we really have to get a grip. We really have to get back to where we were. The numbers at the moment are slowly, slowly going up. But we could end up in a situation like what's happening in America will be happening here. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text to WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. 
supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now, any time during this the month of July, you're invited to run or walk the Cork McSherry 10K Road Race. Uh, then, using the entry ID emailed to when you registered, you enter your time and you provide evidence of the course completions. There's going to be a prize for the fastest female and male uh, runner, but you'll also f- receive a free entry to a draw every time you register. Proceeds from the event will be split between the Court McSherry Rowing Club Building Fund and the Raffle and Race uh, Prizes. And Scruffy's Pet Shop in Dunmanway. They are looking for 11 volunteers to pose with their pets for their 2021 Naked Calendar. All proceeds from the calendar will be split 11 ways to each charity or club represented by each month of the year. You can contact Scruffy's on 085 87576333 and we're going to get try and get somebody from Scruffy's Pet Shop to, to join us but would you like to take part in a naked calendar Scruffy's Pet Shop that's where you need to go and Kilbritton GAA have asked us to mention that they've rescheduled their golf classic for Friday the 21st of August you can contact any member of Kilbritton GAA to organise a team and to get your tea time Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 333 103 By the way when I was doing the uh, community di- diary there just to mention that Canturk Community Council they have a drive-in uh, bingo happening next Sunday at Canturk Marts at uh, two o'clock and they have, I think the jackpot is 500 euro must be won and that really is taking taking off. I've seen photographs of the driving bingo because so many people, so many bingo fans have just dearly, dearly missed bingo both for the excitement of playing the game of bingo but also the social aspect of going out and meeting people and for some people their only social as- their only social outing can be the bingo and people have really, really missed it. So people have really been very creative in trying to come up with new new ideas and one of them is the drive-in bingo and by all accounts it's been really, really successful. So if you want to go to a drive-in bingo, Cantor Community Council is on the Mart grounds next uh, Sunday. Uh, sorry, it's at half past uh, two and everyone is very welcome. Thank you, uh, John, for reminding me of that. Now, today is uh, our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran. It is her final frontline diary. She's been doing this over the last, I think this is her 12th one. She's been doing it since the pandemic started and she's been talking. She's covered some incredible uh, stories throughout the 12 weeks. So today is her final day. So for the final frontline diary, managers uh, Ashleen, she met with clinical nurse manager Ashleen Fahey and Anya Moynihan who told Fiona all about working on the COVID wards at the Mercy University Hospital during the height of the pandemic. They talked about their experience and they warned that COVID cases continue to present at the hospital and that they're hoping that they don't end up back where they were two months ago. Please sanitise your hands entering and leaving the hospital. Thank you. Coronavirus is still a very real concern here at the Mercy University Hospital. Clinical nurse managers Ashling Fahi and Anya Moynihan have agreed to take time out from their busy schedule to talk to me about their experiences of working on the COVID wards during the height of the pandemic here. It was exhausting because first of all, no one's taking any breaks throughout this pandemic and that still goes now. No one's, no one's really taking annual leave or anything like that. So I'm expecting we're probably going to see burnout, you know, if we don't try and get on top of it sooner. But that's why we're hoping for no second waves that people can start to take a, a breather. 
Um, but emotionally as well, I think it was very difficult, you know, with the psychological impact of seeing something so so difficult. Ashling says no one could have predicted how busy the COVID wards became. Anya says they also had to assure family members who couldn't visit their loved ones. I remember being on, on the phone to certain family members and just saying, you know, to ring us at any time, you know, we might not get a chance to ring you, but we've no problem answering any questions. So I suppose always reassuring them that, like, their family members are being looked after. You know, especially elderly people on their own, people who are confused. So, you know, to, to leave them on their own is very difficult. I suppose a lot of patients who were COVID positive or on pathways like they're in a, they're in single rooms on their own um, and you know I suppose the staff we just kept saying to each other you know imagine being their family members it's, you know imagine being at the other side of it. COVID-19 brought about sudden and drastic changes to the hospital and for Ashling, the most difficult part was watching patients die without their family by their side. Using iPads and doing Zoom calls is lovely but at the same time when you're at end of life that it's never really going to cut it the same way you know so I felt that those were probably the most difficult times to deal with. Um, you know, it's always what comes back to the emotional level because you find yourself putting yourself in, in the shoes of those people all the time. Anya says the PPE made it difficult for nurses to communicate with patients. I suppose as nurses, communication is through smiling, you know, and, and, and during all this we've been wearing masks, like going into the cold rooms, it's all that gown and it's very hard to communicate with someone with all them barriers. And you only have, you know, that touch technique that we always use, like none of that's there. It's very alien, I think, to us as nurses, you know, to, to not be able to, to communicate the way that we do best, really. But they say that the experience wasn't all bad in that it brought staff together in a way that never happened before. Like, my God, you never come closer together when you're going through something so difficult, you know. Um, and that was really good because I don't think we would have come through it like what we've had so far so well if it wasn't for the support that we had for each other and everyone was very respectful. Everyone really adapted, you know, that was the thing, like um, no one ever complained, you know, everyone just got on with it and do their best really. The government has paused the easing of restrictions due to concerns about the trends in new cases. Ashling says it's something they're seeing in the hospital. We actually are still seeing cases coming in like a, um, you know, a lot more queries as well and this is where it still looms all the time that you could see the positives coming back in the same numbers that they had been two months ago. And Anya is warning that the virus affects everyone. Any age can get this. Like it's not specifically elderly people. It's not specifically vulnerable. Like um, you know, we've heard of cases ourselves. You know, of, of people fit our own age that you know that they become quite unwell from this. Like and I just don't think that's gotten out to the community at all. You know, and it's about really adhering to the guidelines that the, that the HC have have put out. Absolutely. And uh, well done to Fiona. Her frontline divers have been excellent as they over the last 12 weeks. And our thanks to those clinic and nurse managers, Ashley Fahey and Anya Moynihan. And uh, hi to all of the staff who've been done tremendous work in all of uh, our hospitals, particularly during the height of the pandemic. Nobody wants to return uh, to the way it was. Okay, and just a quick look, a rundown to some of your texts that have been coming in. Michael in Castletown Bear is spot on when he talks about closing the off-licences. We need to close the airports and the off-licences. And fingers crossed if we do that, we can all stay uh, safe. Uh, Tim, this is on pubs not reopening next Monday. Tim says there were three pubs in Mogili, a village near Castle Martyr, one closed after the other. There are similar experiences in other East Cork towns and it seems in a prosperous town such as Middleton, three pubs may never reopen again. On the wearing of masks, Sheila says, I wore a mask last week while shopping for the first time. And I have to say, I felt very lonely when I came home. Nobody spoke to me, says Sheila. Yeah, it is. It's very difficult 
to interact with anyone when you're wearing a mask. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that. Um, Another Tim says, Patricia, people have to ask questions about when to wear a mask. First, we were told we had to do things, but it wasn't mandatory. Politicians are afraid to take a stance. We are not being told when the law will start and we're trying to get... Try, we're trying to find out is if there is an actual date when it will become mandatory as in we're being told at the moment we all should wear the face masks when we're out in an enclosed space in a shop but we're trying to find out a little bit like what they did with the transportation the public transport it became mandatory we are trying to find out if there is a date on when that is to uh, come in uh, Patricia there are people who just like to to not abide by the rules. Just like girls who go to school wearing mini uniform skirts instead of the standard length. It's called oppositional defiance disorder. And I believe it is a rampant condition in all ages at the moment. People who just do not want to abide by the rules and regulations. Hi Patricia. Just want to mention I was out for a walk with my dog last night and I couldn't believe my eyes. Uh, Things have gone back to the old ways so fast. People leaving a local pub, arguing and fighting around the roads. So much for pubs. Only supposed to serve alcohol while people are having food. Um, please don't call me as if I came on air I would be easily identified in my uh, area. And Patricia you're talking about wearing face coverings. This is from John in Butterfield. I was food shopping in Mallow yesterday evening in a number of well-known supermarkets and I did observe that there were more people wearing coverings. However, there were still a lot of people not wearing them. I overheard two young adults saying to each other that they would not be wearing any face coverings. Will these people ever cop on and follow the guidelines? It is for all of our safety, not just for them. I wear a mask, even though I do find it quite claustrophobic at times. Some people, and it seems to be the younger generation, seem to be guilty of this. They will do their own thing. And that's from John in uh, Bottevant. And uh, John in Glanakilty says, Patricia, do the Aer Lingus pilots phone ahead to the airport to say that they have 100 Americans from Dallas, Texas on board. They should be doing that and the Gardaí could be waiting waiting for them. Well, we don't have rules and we there's nothing to stop Americans or indeed any other nationality coming into this country while there's flights coming in. What we're asking people to do then is to self-isolate. I think that's where it needs to become mandatory is forcing them to self-isolate. At the moment, we just ask them to fill in a location tracker in case they need to be contact traced if there was an outbreak on the plane or they discovered there was an outbreak at the airport but unfortunately we don't have laws in place to force them to self-quarantine. Or today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And with suggestions for some movies to watch this weekend Mark Malone our movie reviewer. Good afternoon to you Mark. Hi Patricia. Now you watch two movies for us uh, Greyhound and Scoob. Which I think is a Scooby-Dooby-Doo? Scoob? Yep, it's Scoob. Scoob, okay. Let me go to Greyhound first because I spot in the photograph on this review of the movie one of my favourite actors, Tom Hanks. Uh, Yeah, where he plays a captain again for about the fifth or sixth time. He makes a great captain. He's, well, he's a terrific actor, and I mean, let's yeah. face it, he always has been. And uh, he was very much involved in the making of this, in the sense that not only does he star in it, but he also wrote the screenplay um, as well. Yeah, it's based on a book uh, by C.S. Forrester uh, called The Good Shepherd, which is based on a true story, a battle that happened in the middle of the Atlantic, uh, right smack in the middle of uh, World War Two. And what Tom Hanks has obviously done is Tom Hanks has uh, basically used a lot of the language from the book um, which, by the way, the, the 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 text of this book and the text of this battle is still referenced in uh, the halls of uh, 
of uh, the military in the United States. And basically, he uses the actual language that they would have used at the time. He said afterwards that uh, the movie studio came back to them and said that we don't understand these expressions that you're using. And uh, and go back, can you overdub it? And he said, no, the film is already made. I'm not going to do it. So, um, But it doesn't matter, even though you might not understand exactly what he's saying in the orders that he's saying, you know, you get the gist of what he is saying. Um, the thing about the film is that, uh, the reason why it's called Greyhound is that uh, he is the... Um, there's this armada coming from the United States full of um, kind of ammunitions and food for, for Europe. And it's a huge armada, and he is at the head of it. He's, he's the Greyhound. He's the ship. Um, he is the kind of the UFO buster at the uh, the head of the armada. And so if a German U-boat comes into the area, he is the one assigned to take out uh, the U-boat. Mm-hmm. This film was meant to go to cinemas. Uh, but obviously with the pandemic, um, um, they decided that they would put it onto a streaming service. And it's the first kind of Hollywood movie, big movie, to end up on Apple Plus, which thankfully I have. So I was able to watch it uh, on that. I have a problem with it in that in it's basically the way it looks. Um, you know, I've grown up with great kind of war movies like, you know, Kelly's Heroes and The Longest Day and films like that, where basically if you saw a tank, it was a tank. If something was blown up, they would physically blow it up. Yeah. If you saw 200 men walking across a field, it was, it was 200, 200 men. men. Yeah, yeah. This is one of these movies that they make in a big, big green box. And it looks, it, and that's the unfortunate thing. Wow. It looks like an almost like kind of a black and white cartoon. And I think that's a terrible shame. And I know that if the makers would say, look, you know, if we were to try and make it the way they used to, the film would cost $500 million. Then the question you have to ask is, then why do it if it's going to look this bad? And I think that's a terrible shame. The, the, I mean, even the, the budget to it is about $50 million, which for a movie like this is actually quite small. So they decided, look, we'll do it cheaply. And it's a shame because I think it undermines the film. It undermines Tom Hanks' performance. So it doesn't look that great. It is a very, very short film, which means it is actually very, very tight. And I like that about it. And some of the action sequences are very, very good and, and very clever. And... Um, and so, and I enjoyed that part of it. But I think, you know, once you've watched the 10th torpedo go flying past, you do kind of think, oh, okay, we've seen this already, uh, you know, in a very, very short film. So it is very tight and on occasions quite exciting. But I think it's like just eating a cup of a wafer biscuit. You know, uh, you eat it and at the end of it, you enjoy it whilst you're eating it. But then afterwards you think, is that all there is to the biscuit? Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, it's the same with this. I mean, you are disappointed. You know, it should have been maybe a, a grander, bigger film. Um, and it's a pity that maybe it, this is the future of cinema. Maybe this is the way they're going to do it. And uh, But I think it's a terrible shame. But it is exciting, you know. And, and it um, wouldn't have made any difference if you were watching it on a big screen. Well, I have a big TV. I yeah, okay. Say that yeah. Loves it. But um, yeah, I think maybe, no, maybe, I don't think so, no. I mean, I think it would have been worse, actually, I think. Well, okay. it would, it would, yeah, because I think you would have seen the kind of uh, dodgy, you know, look, I like CGI when it looks good and when it works. I mean, whatever you might think about the Transformer films, they were terrible, but the CGI was extraordinary. Here, the CGI isn't very good. There's a scene, for example, where they do blow up a, um, a U-boat and they're looking for kind of debris on the water and it looks as though somebody just went in with a, with a felt pen and just painted it in. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, the standard of the CGI is really poor and it's a terrible shame. Oh, that's a pity. Okay, so mark it out of 10? Uh, five. Five out of ten, okay. But the yeah. story, the actual storyline and the acting is all good in it, particularly Tom Hanks. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, very much so, yeah. And it, it does give you an idea of how these people went about their business and that's fascinating. But it's a pity the movie isn't great. Okay, now this is, uh, an, uh, your second movie is, is an animation and it's just called Scoob. And I, look, I looked at it to say, is that meant to be Scooby-Doo? And then I it see a Scooby-Doo. picture of Scooby-Doo, but it's a little Scooby-Doo, is it? 
Yeah, well, no, they they they, they do go from they they show how uh, the the characters meet when they're young kids, and then okay. they um, they 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 then you know it switches to them as as adults. So if you see the poster, you will see a kind of a baby Scooby Doo, but also an adult Scooby Doo uh, okay. as well. Um, I, I presume you watched the the television series. Uh, absolutely, up, but, absolutely. Yes, yeah, it's Hanna Barbera. I really liked them. They were all hand drawn. This obviously is computer generated. And at first, I kind of thought, well, would I like this? But actually, I think the film really looks good. And it's kind of well done. Um, there are major problems with it. There were a couple of Scooby-Doo films back around the late 90s, 2000s, uh, which were actually kind of targeted at a kind of a, 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 an adult audience, I think, because they were quite sexy. Okay. <laughs> they really were. And I wasn't the only one who noticed that. But uh, here is a, this is an animated film from Warner uh, Animation. And the first thing, I suppose, if you look down, just look at the, that cast. It's extraordinary. they got Will Forte, they've got Mark Wahlberg, Jason Isaacs, Zac Efron, Amanda Seyfried, Ken Young, Tracy Morgan. It's a huge, huge But we, we've discussed this before. People queue up, actors and actresses queue up to do these movies. Well, yeah, because, of course, you know, their, their grandkids then love them, you know, yeah. because they are the voice of Scooby-Doo or Shaggy or whoever. And also, they are very easy to do. They don't have to, uh, you know, comb their hair. They don't have to get all dressed <laughs> up. They just go into a studio and, and they do it, you know. Um, yeah, the film, I think the first 20 minutes are really, really like because it does show when uh, Shaggy and Scooby meet and then they meet uh, the other members of the team that meet up with Fred and Velma and Daphne. And I loved that part of it. And I thought that was really, really sweet. It was then when they kind of switched to them as adults when I think the film kind of lost its way a bit. Like those, those 15 minutes, I laughed out loud about four or five times, which I very rarely do. It did, I thought the, the script was very clever. Then unfortunately what they do is they introduce the character of Blue Falcon, uh, uh, which is played by Mark Wahlberg here. And then they split the team. And in... I was enjoying seeing the team back together again. But what they decided then is to concentrate on this ridiculous kind of superhero kind of storyline. And it was such a shame because I wanted the team together. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I felt that too with the, I think it was the second Star Trek movie. They split up the team and that's not what I personally want. I don't know if, you know, if, if, if it bothers anybody else, but it certainly bothered me. And I didn't like that. And then the story just went off into this very, very silly superhero kind of thing involving kind of Jason Isaacs as Dick Dastardly. And it wasn't as funny and it wasn't as sweet and it wasn't as clever. And it just lost its way and it just it well, ended up being very boring and it's a terrible shame. That's but a the, pity. the kids would love it. Yeah. Okay, mark it out of 10 then. Scoob. Uh, Scoob, um, uh, five. Five out of 10. Okay, listen, have a great week and we'll talk to you Thank next you. Friday. Thanks for that. That's Mark Malone, our movie a review. Before we go, a reminder to you as we do every Friday, please, if you're going, heading out shopping, buy a local paper this weekend. Some of the highlights from our local papers the Corkman have a story about a Gwail skull teacher from the Musgrave Gwailthacht who wants to build his home on a farm that he's been left and he's concerned he may never get planning permission. And they also, the Corkman, have a wonderful uh, story about a local gardener, Rathcool woman, Evelyn O'Sullivan, who impressed the millions of of BBC Gardener's World uh, viewers. In the Vale Star, they talk about Charleville and Mill Street becoming uh, two age-friendly towns. And they also have a story on planning to be locked for, for to be lodged for the Kilmallock Fire Service Training uh, Centre. Good news for Kilmallock. The Avondu talk about championship preparations continue for Glamworth. That's
months amid a COVID lockdown and they also reported the Tower Horse Fair has been uh, cancelled. In the Mallow Star, Councillor wants clarity on the motorway route selection, don't we all, says you. And they talk about a local man who's getting his head shaved on the top of the Ballyhowras. The Southern Star have uh, a story of a very generous gift to the local RNLI and they also have a piece on a dog unit aid aid in Bantry Drugs Hall. That and more in all of the local papers. Buy your local papers, please. Got to leave it there. Thanks to Sadie and John Paul. We'll talk to you on Monday. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.